Welcome to Coaching Kidlet, a podcast about writing and publishing good kidlet. We dig into various aspects of writing craft through a kidlet lens and provide inspiration and clear, actionable items to help writers like you move forward on their kidlet writing journeys. I'm Christy Yaros, author, accelerator, certified book coach, and author focusing on middle grade and young adult. I'm Sharon Skinner, author, accelerator, certified book coach, and author of Speculative Fiction and Kidlet including picture book, middle grade, and young adult. Episode one, what is Kidlet? We wanted to talk about what Kidlet is and what it isn't so that our listeners will know what the heck we're talking about when we talk about writing for kids. They know in our role as book coaches, we speak to a lot of new and aspiring authors, and a lot of them are really passionate about finding their places in children's book and publishing. But more often than not, I find that myself, I'm in the role of educating, not only about writing for kids, but on even understanding the landscape and the lingo, and especially the many acronyms and the lingua franca of the realm, if you will. So we talked about providing a short guide that might help people to understand and help them as they embark on their kidlit journeys. So one caveat, though, before we start this discussion is our listeners should keep in mind that the ways book categories are sliced and diced is a construct designed to help match the right books with the appropriate readers. So while they include standard target age ranges, et cetera, they aren't as black and white as they appear. And there are gray zones of overlap in in between them. But be that as it may, knowing where your story best fits is a critical component in navigating the kidlit book realm. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, so let's start with our board books, which are for our youngest children, zero to three. They have zero words or up to about a hundred words. Those are the thick cardboard like books that babies like to chew on and drool on and all of that stuff. And they have visual elements that will appeal to catch up a baby's attention. And some examples would be press here, Muba, la la la, black and white. Those are the kinds of books that are very simple. They're easy. It, they're big and chunky. Kids can grip them and grab onto them. And they're fairly indestructible for the most part. And then some popular picture books do end up getting turned into board books. They they will come in in both board book and picture book format. Yeah, especially the concept books. So concept books being those books that are about numbers, letters, animals, colors, and that sort of thing, shapes. So speaking of picture books, picture books, you'll often see these referred to as PBs in shorthand. So that's important to note. Uh, The target audience is usually about ages three to eight. They're generally under a thousand words or even less. And there are a lot of actually great wordless picture books. 
They're made to be read aloud to younger readers while also appealing to emergent readers who are learning to read on their own. Those kiddos who wanna have a book read over and over to them and then maybe memorize those words so that they know if you skip a page because they've heard the story so many times. But that helps them then after all that repetition to be able to know what's on a page. And when they start to read the book on their own, they can recognize the words. Yeah, so interestingly, you know, I mean, my daughter's in college. It's been a while since I've read you know, picture books to her, but she's a camp counselor. And over the summer, I guess the moms of the camp counselors were invited to come and read to the kids. And so I'm like, I have not done this in, in so long. So I, I grabbed some books and I was like, you know, first of all, terrified, but I started reading the book and it was amazing. They all had like the books memorized they really did I, I i just would pause i would say one word and pause and they could just finish the line and i was messing it up on purpose and they were like no like, had the 25 kids there they really do memorize them they're amazing <laughs> yeah they they really do and because and that and they want to hear them over and over they want to learn that repetition, especially the stories that they enjoy the most. And, and the topics, again, can range from the simple concepts up to deeper topics on issues and questions that help younger readers learn to navigate their world. Examples of good picture books, Just Like Me by Vanessa Brantley-Newton, Grandpa Grumps by Katrina Moore and illustrated by Zindi Yan, After the Fall by Dan Santat, who doesn't love books by Dan Santat. I'm a huge Dan Santat fan. We Are Water Protectors by Carol Lindstrom, illustrated by Michaela Good. Owl Moon by Jane Yolen, the fabulous Jane Yolen. And there's a lovely book, and I'm going to try and say this correctly, Archeologo Peruano Julio Citello, Peruvian archaeologist Julio Citello by Monica Brown and illustrated by Elisa Chavari. And that's a nonfiction picture book. So they come in fiction, nonfiction, all ranges, but that's picture books kind of in a nutshell. I would also add that they are meant to generally be read aloud. So it, the sound of the language is very important. And also they promote visual literacy as well as reading literacy because kids learn how to read the pictures that are in the picture book before they can read the words. You need the words and the pictures in order to really fully understand the story and, and what's happening. Yeah, it's definitely a structure that's woven very tightly together between words and pictures in a picture book. And that's really critical. And it's really critical to understand that as a, as a picture book writer, if you are the author and you're not an illustrator and you're going to do the text, you need to leave room for the pictures and allow enough space for the illustrator to come in and bring that piece of the story to life. And it's, it's a really important balance. And that's one of the harder parts about picture books is that we're taught to show don't tell and in picture books that's not how it works with the text with the text you're not showing the pictures are are intended to be what's showing and so the text is more of the telling component of the story so it's a little bit of an odd duck 
kids all the way up to third and fourth grade, they like to be read to, and they even like picture books read to them. I know I've done school visits where I've read my picture book, Rocket Shoes, to kids, and they're just they're just enwrapped. They just really want to listen to someone reading them a fun book. Yeah, definitely. Creates a nice shared experience with everybody. So then the next after picture books, which although, like you said, kids do continue to read picture books much longer than, than what we're saying, but aimed at them, the next thing when kids start to kind of read on their own would be early readers uh, or easy readers, uh, those are aimed at four to seven. They have maybe 100 to 2,500 words, depending on the reading level. They're written very carefully to make sure that the kids can read them out loud, read them themselves. And you know, so the text is pretty large, not going to have long lines, and they do have some illustrations, but those illustrations are meant to be redundant with the text because it's reinforcing for them what they're reading. Some examples of easy readers would be like Frog and Toad, which all of us have read at some point many times, Elephant and Piggy, Clark the Shark, and they do also tend to be uh, paperback. We didn't really talk about, I mean, four books obviously are cardboard, pages, picture books, mostly are hardcover. Uh, you get the occasional soft cover, uh, but usually the, those are the older books that get reprinted into, into different editions, but the early easy readers are generally paperback. Yeah, and it goes back to the whole reason why board books are bored. They're made of board because they are more indestructible than they would be if they were made of another material. And picture books are meant to be opened flat, so they're saddle stitched, which makes them sturdier. And those nice hard covers protect the pages and the heavy paper is protective as well. But when you get to the early readers, your kiddos have the ability to understand and appreciate, you know, taking better care of a book and they don't grab it by the page and fling it across the room typically Hopefully. like they might when they were younger, hopefully. Um, so yeah, it doesn't have to be quite made of the sturdy stuff. So you do see a lot more that are in the paperback or the lighter materials. Chapter books, ages seven and nine, approximately. Again, this is all approximate. Generally around a hundred pages or fewer. Now we're talking about books that can be broken into chapters, usually short chapters. They're often humorous. I know that Amelia Bedelia books that are still out in print and still being read by kids, they were read when I was younger. Those are, those fall into the chapter book category. Captain Underpants by Dave Pilkey. My Weirdest School by Dan Gutman and illustrated by Jim Paylett, who happens to be a member of mine here in the Arizona region. Call mm -hmm. out to Jim. These are books that kids can read completely on their own. They don't need your over their shoulder and they can read them to themselves. They can read them to each other. They can read them to you. And they do still have some illustrations, but they're less frequent, typically black and white instead of the color ones that mm -hmm. you would maybe see in the easy readers. And a lot of them are published in series so that kids can become familiar with the character and follow them through 
many of their adventures. And I think I see a lot when they are series that they come out in, in twos or, or threes at a time. They come out very regularly, that's for sure. Yeah, they, they once they grab a reader, they want to make sure that they have something to offer to them. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, you know, kids will age out of them so quickly. So. Yeah, you got to catch them while you can. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the characters don't age. You know, they'll have a series, but they'll still be the same age. So after True. chapter books, they move up to middle grade novels. And that's about ages eight to 12. The word count for uh, contemporary realistic novels is about 25 to 60. Sweet spot around 30 to 45, although they have been getting longer. Fantasy, about 35 to 75,000, typically about 45,000 to 65,000. And these are definitely books that, that kids are reading all by themselves. So that would be things like The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill, Dress Coded by Carrie Firestone, who's one from my region, Wonder by R. Palacio, Other Words for Home by Jasmine Warga, which is also in verse. So we get verse books and mm -hmm. um, prose. The Jumbies by Tracy Baptiste which was a fun book. And the Hank Zipser series by Henry Winkler and Lynn Oliver, our very own SWWI folks. Harbor Me by Jacqueline Woodson is also uh, middle grade. And it's represented when you see MG, then that's typically when you know it's a middle grade. That's our shorthand. So, and these can range all sorts of, subject matter. We're now talking about navigating the world and how to look outside yourself and, and how to figure out what you might do in a certain circumstances. Now, at, at this point in middle grade, a lot of contemporary middle grade has gotten more serious and is dealing with more serious subject matter than it used to. And I think that's trending right now still. But you can still find some humorous books and adventure books and just, you name it, there's something out there for everyone in the middle grade realm, I think. Right. One of my recent favorites for, I guess we'd call an issue book, but from the desk of Zoe Washington, which deals with having an, an incarcerated father. And then even Sal and Gabby, Break the Universe, dealt with some some kind of difficult things, but is to me a hysterical fantasy book. Which brings us to young adult. So when you get to young adult, it basically the idea of young adult is it's ages 12 and up, right? But of course, again, you have younger readers who are at this level already. They're ready to read young adult much earlier, 10, 11 years old. And there are kiddos who are 13, 14, who don't care for young adult yet. They still want to read middle grade. So again, it's a gray area. And uh, just like middle grade, YA books come in all genres. The topics and page ranges are all over the place. And especially in the last few years, we've seen longer and longer and longer YA books. And 
especially in fantasy, we're seeing YA books with four or 500 pages easily. And it's not a stretch. Good examples of YA are American Born Chinese by Jean Luen Yang, stamped by Jason Reynolds and Ibram X. Kendi, which is actually a book that was originally written by Kendi for the adult audience. And together, the two of them made it so that it was more accessible for young adults. And if you get a chance to listen to it on audio, Jason Reynolds reads it and he does a fabulous, fabulous job. So you're starting to see a lot more of the kinds of difficulties that we deal with as we are not just learning about what's out in the world, but having to go out into the world and more or less navigate the world as it is and understand who we are in it. And and it goes much deeper. I will call out for my own book, my series, The Healer's Legacy, which is a trilogy that was written as a YA, but is a crossover. Yep, plug in my own book. I'm going to do it. But, But there's also very sweet romance books in this category. Every Reason We Shouldn't by Sarah Fujimura would be a good example of that. You get some really dark stuff. But again, it's all over the map. I mean, Ellen Hopkins writes about very difficult things. Lori Hals Anderson, some very challenging topics. It used to be 70,000 to 100,000 words was the range for it. And now it's, it's whatever will work, whatever works for the story and works well. That's, that's where you're at with page ranges. Now, I will say that If you're a first-time YA author, I wouldn't try and pitch a 200,000-word book, and especially now with paper shortages, right? You get all this stuff going on with paper shortages, and who knows what that's going to do to the market and the trends in the market. We probably should mention, I mean, it's kind of a category, but kind of not. It keeps changing, but new adult I know people write new adult. There are some books that are, you know, maybe like Sarah Moss that are considered to be new adult, but it's not technically uh, a category, but that's for, you know, your 18 and up college students in their 20s and stepping out into the world and usually a lot more sex, I would say, is what I see in new adult. Yeah, I think there's there's edgy YA and then there's also new adult. And I think edgy YA is I'm still living at home last year of high school sex versus new adult, which is more I'm in college or I have my first job and I'm having maybe sex or or navigating relationships in in the world that way. And I know when it first came out a a number of years ago that new adult was going to be the thing, but it just hasn't, it doesn't seem to have had the sticking power as a category that I think it was expected to have. It's still out there, people are still writing it, but it's not, it doesn't move and shake like uh, I think it was anticipated that it would. No, it doesn't, doesn't seem to be, but who knows? It's always changing, might, might change again, but it is definitely good for you as a writer to have an idea at least of what you're aiming for. And if you are calling your book new adult, 
they might make you make a choice between it being an adult book or it being a, a young adult book and aging up or aging down, depending on, on what you've got. Yep. There are a couple of other additional terms that you'll want to pay attention to if you're writing for KidLit. NF for nonfiction, because, well, and we've talked about that, nonfiction is a big thing, especially in KidLit. And graphic novels now are a big deal. They are, wow, just blowing up the market. Graphic novels have become huge, really huge in the KidLit market. Which brings us to what KidLit isn't. What it isn't. So there are adult books that have children characters in them, but that does not mean that it is a book for kids just because there is a child in it. For example, Game of Thrones, not not a kid's book. <laughs> Multiple children narrators, uh, point of view characters, not a kid's book. Yeah, the author who wrote Under the Whispering Door, T.J. Klune, he has a book called the House in the Cerulean Sea, and it has a bunch of kid characters in it. None, none of them are the direct protagonist. There are a bunch of kids in it. And I think that I, it's literary fantasy, and I think it's accessible for younger readers, which is nice, but I don't think it was intended for younger readers by any stretch. So you'll see that's kind of a gray area as well. And sometimes you'll see books that have maybe a story about somebody's childhood, but they're they're coming from the perspective of the adult who has already experienced those things and thinking back on their on their childhood and things that happen as opposed to kid books that actually, you know, YA, middle grade, it's your it's happening right now. And you don't have the 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 ability to look back on it 20 years from now and, you know, with your nostalgia or your adult lens on it. So that's also an important thing. Well, and another example of a book with a kid narrator that is definitely not kid lit is The Room. And it's got a young child narrating it and talking about this room that he and his mother are being kept in. And so we see the room and the world from this child's viewpoint. It's definitely not intended for kids to read, though. So that's what Kid Lit is not. So we think that we've kind of covered it, what Kid Lit is, what Kid Lit is not. It gives you a place to start from as you begin your journey navigating in the realm of writing for kids. And thank you for joining us, and we will keep coming at you with more things about writing KidLit and we'll be using those acronyms. So make sure you brush up on them. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Coaching KidLit, a writing and book coaching podcast for writers who want to level up their KidLit writing game. For more about us and to discover what a book coach can do for you, check out coachingkidlit.com and follow us on social media. Links are below.